awesome to be able to preach. It's the first time I've been given a slot. I've had to um, bribe, <laughs> beg, and uh, fight my way to the, to the front. I'm only kidding. Malcolm asked me, and it was a challenging request because today and uh, over the past few weekends, it's, it's all about the Rugby World Cup. And, uh, Amen. You know, God, there was some spirituality in me this week. And I had to dig deep and, um, you know, get through it. So, um, primarily, uh, today I want to talk about the power of perspective. Okay? It's amazing how you can wake up in the morning and you can make a decision when you look out the window to see it's gloomy and then that sets the trajectory of your day. Or if it's cloudy and um, you have a different attitude and I'm confident about the fact that if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change just pause there if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change as Christians we've got so much power available to us untapped power you know we read we we sang uh, the song our god is an awesome god and um, i must admit during the week i can forget yeah that god is an awesome god i can go to the office and i can be dealt with a difficult project where i'm sort of in over my head or what is that there's a term that says He's over his skis, you know, he's in over his skis. I don't know if you've ever seen someone trying to ski. It doesn't, you know, it's, 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 it's funny from the sideline until you try. Um, you know, especially when you're doing your first um, red or blue run, um, it can be hairy. But I think um, um, if we look at um, these three, these three things, the way we choose to see things controls how we feel. And how we feel determines how we act. And our action is what produces results. I don't know about you, when I look at the pancake, it controls how I feel. <laughs> that feeling drives me towards the pancake. <laughs> And I uh, eat it and it produces. <laughs> you know, research suggests that during a typical conversation, humans complain once every minute. Why do people complain? Why do we complain? I've come back from sunny Texas and I've come to England and all I hear about is people complaining about Brexit, about the government, about this. And I've got stuck into it myself. Just wake up and get into the office and the first thing I say is, did you see the news? And I complain. Everything. Oh, my boss. You know, he's just so demanding. He lives in San Francisco. He's actually a great guy if he sees this recording. He lives in San Francisco. He lives in San Francisco and he's eight hours. So when I, when I 
when I wake up, he's going to wake up in eight hours' time. But guess what? When I want to go to sleep, he really wants things from me. And he's demanding. And um, we can complain about a whole bunch of things. But the reality is, is scientifically, it's proven that our neurons try and find paths that are easy. Scientists say uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So within our brains, if we typically get into this place of complaining, naturally, scientifically, within our brain, those neurons are forming. And then, guess what? Next time we're in a difficult situation, it's easier to complain. And the irony is complaining actually damages our brain. It shrinks our hippocampus. That's the area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and to intelligence. Wow. Isn't it amazing how God has designed the human body? My question to you is what neurons are you firing day in and day out? You know? And I'm not suggesting, I know that there's there's a lot of topics these days about mental, um, mental health. And there's lots of conversations at schools. Nora was talking about the concept of being merciful towards yourself. But I think as Christians, we need to be careful. We need to be careful, not because we need to be careful about damaging our brain, but be careful not to miss the opportunity to truly engage with God and, and have different perspectives mm. and live a different life. Mm. I want us to have a look at um, the following scripture. If you please turn your Bibles to First Peter 4. And we'll read there from verse 7 to 11. It says, The end of all things is at hand. It says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each, of, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The backdrop of this, uh, Peter's writing to, to the Christians and he's encouraging them, they are scattered across many different regions and they are living in exile. They are oppressed. They are being persecuted. They are being sent to trials unfairly. Historians tell us that Christians at this point were being executed, they were practicing. Execution. 
One thing that you note about Peter's uh, letter is he doesn't refer to removing their circumstances. Mm. He doesn't say, escape the trials. Yeah. He doesn't say, I'm going to pray for you to be delivered from these situations. Get rid of these false teachers that are li you're listening to. He tells them to change their perspective. When we have a bad day, we tend to talk, we tend to talk about the things that frustrate us. Yeah? As I said, we talk about our boss. If we had an angry boss, we've got messy kids, <laughs> harsh weather, flaky friends, hard schoolwork. And if these things continue, we usually do whatever it takes to make these circumstances better. So we quit our jobs. We discipline our kids. Yes. <laughs> Invest in more climate control. Nest in every room. You know, from the mobile phone. We give our friends our peace of mind. I'll tell you. You know who I am. Old slack in school. Our prayers are, God, please take me out of this situation. This is unfair. Please give me a job that I would enjoy. Why are you doing this to me? You know, Peter's message was clear to them. It wasn't about changing their, their situation. It was changing their perspective. And the irony is, is that, you know, our perspectives can so much control about how we do spiritually. Mm. You know, and it, 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 Satan really comes in and he wants to mess up our perspectives. Mm. 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 Amen. The question is, which fish are you? <laughs> you know, and for me personally, it depends. Mm. Quite honestly, it depends. Mm. When things are going well, I'm the fish with my head in the water. Come on, guys. Can't you see? Life is good. Why are you so negative about Brexit? But when things go tough, I'm definitely the other fish. <coughs> Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 29, verse 2 to 4. Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, Have you seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all his land, the great trials that our eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders? But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Okay. Very famous story. We all know about the Israelites. They get dragged out of Egypt, living as slaves. They get to see the plagues. 
the parted rivers, the oceans, the impossible military victories, the pillars of fire, water from a rock, manna from heaven, and their response in a challenging time is to go and build a cow out of gold and worship it. <laughs> You know, it's quite scary. Yeah. It's quite scary. You know, as Christians, we can see a lot of great things in our lives. Mm -hmm. We can miss them. Because we are so wired to focus on things through the wrong lens. Mm -hmm. And we come to church. And we pray. And we have our little family groups and we we show up and we have our little discussions after church and if you stretch it you have your open discussions with individuals <laughs> and then yet when the crunch time comes when you're really feeling vulnerable you go and look at your bank balance to make sure that you feel safe mm. I've been there you know, I've done the, I've, God has performed, if each of us really focus on all the miracles Christ has done in your life, yeah. you know, we don't have time, we could all sit here and each of us could just reel it off, all the victories, mm. all the victories, all the victories, and somehow, somehow when we get tested, it all disappears, and we become vulnerable five-year-olds looking for something the problem is is that if you go and look sometimes I personally I want to go and have a conversation with someone because I'm looking for their approval of the situation mm. that I'm in <clears throat> or someone else to tell me that it's going to be okay and I'm not saying we don't need encouragement but there's only one source of real deep result mm. and that's what we're going to start looking at sure. Turn your Bibles to Luke 10, verse 23 and 24. Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and did not hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You know, Jesus taught his disciples that believed in him, unlike the Pharisees, because they were blessed by God with spiritual sight. How often do you pray for God to give you spiritual sight? Because by default, our sight is impacted by many things but how, how often do you go on your knees and say God please I'm reading this scripture please give me spiritual insight so I can see what's in there how many times have you read the gospels and wondered how the Pharisees could be so dense 
These guys that were the, were P, they had the PhDs. I'm looking at Fabian. I don't know why. I said <laughs> These guys were the PhD students of the scriptures of the time, but they couldn't see it. They were they were blinded with their traditions, their preconceived ideas. Even as a Christian, I uh, actually I turned recently turned 20 years old as a Christian. Okay. Amen. Even even now. Even now, I, I can sometimes open the Bible and say, I've read that before. Yeah. Mm. I, I know what the outcome is. Mom, I don't even know why you're showing this scripture. I mean, I know you speak to his disciples. So what's the point? You know? <laughs> the, the problem is, is that we can get blinded about with the power of the scripture. Is your Bible study, is the Bible really something exciting? Mm. Are you really excited about your Bible study or not? Mm. Do you really pray? I'm going to go and find insight in, my, in the scriptures to deal with this situation today. I'm not going to speak to anyone. I'm speaking to God. I'm going to go into the scripture and I'm going to go and pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me. I don't need any other thing. The Bible reminds me that that's all I need to deal with any situation. Amen. You know, the disciples were lucky. They, they got to spend time with, with Jesus Christ. You know, as Christians in this room, we can take any situation. I don't know if you've ever read that. I think it was a DPI book called 30 Days at the Foot of the Cross. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we can take any situation, yeah. anything, and we can go and sit at the cross and pray through it and with, the, with the context that we've got life and all the blessings that we've got and all of our problems will will gain perspective on that. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to disappear and all of a sudden all your challenges are going to go away. That's the point of the sermon. Your perspective on your challenges yeah. will change. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the critical piece. But as much as we want to change our spiritual perspective, <coughs> Satan is working actively. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 6. Come on. It says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God, small g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Isn't this scary to know that Satan is working powerfully to blind people. Mm. Blind people spiritually. They can't see. I made a note, Jesuit. One of the devil's greatest weapons isn't atheism. For he knows that true atheism isn't possible. <laughs> That's the point of Romans 1, verse 19 to 20, which reads, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power 
and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of this world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Oh, it's that time of the day. Okay, let's, let's move up. Okay, let's get up again. Soul drums. Okay. Hopefully that's no reflection of your brains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rather, one of his greatest weapons is to tell us a different story in our blindness. To reinterpret the things we cannot deny in a way that further distorts our understanding of God. As we fumble around in spiritual blindness, trying to make sense of what we encounter, the devil doesn't whisper, there is no God. Nearly as often as he whispers, God is boring. Mm. Mm. God is happy with you because you're basically a good person. Mm. And you're free to come and, uh, to God on your own terms. Mm. You know, the reality is, is that the scary part of this is that you won't even be aware of your level of spiritual blindness. Mm. I'm not aware of my own spiritual blindness. That's why we need each other. Yeah. In in, in each other's lives. Mm. You could argue it's the blind leading the blind. <laughs> you know, but the but the reality of it is is that we need, to, we need to actively fight against being spiritually blind. Mm. Practical things is getting people in your life. You know, first of all, you go to the scripture, you pray through it, you get on your knees, you get desperate, you ask people in your life, what, what's your thoughts? We need people to help us with spiritual blindness. Here's a great, great passage. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings 8, verse 17. Six, sorry, 2 Kings 6, verse 8 to 17. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of man, uh, servant of the man of God, Elisha, rose early in the morning and went out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He has a desperate situation. Israel's under attack by Syria. You can imagine Elisha. I mean, we're awesome hanging around with Elisha, don't we? Like, I was praying this morning. I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you, Elisha. I don't know if you could hear me, but I was just, I just sort of said it. And, uh, and uh, you could just picture his, uh, his servant, like, waking up and looking over the, maybe there's a wall, and just seeing these chariots. Mm. And feeling overwhelmed. 
Now he was, he must have been pretty spiritual hanging around with Elisha. Mm. What's your, what's your thing that you're peeking out at and getting overwhelmed by? You know, what is it? Is it, is it, is it not being liked at school? Is it being bullied? Is it, is it getting the grades? I can't see how I'm going to get those grades. My parents are putting a lot of pressure on me. Maybe it's, I don't know if we're ever going to have, be able to have children. Maybe it's, I can't even see how we're going to get through this month financially. Let alone me even starting to think about retirement because that just makes me feel dizzy and <laughs> nauseous. I get worried about that sometimes. I'm that type of guy who likes to see 50 years into the future. And if I can't see the 50 years clearly, then I start becoming vulnerable. Then I have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Then I start going on to right move, looking at smaller properties. Maybe we can retire there. I just turned 40. Yeah, this, is a, this shows you how... You know, you usually you shouldn't be looking at your retirement properties at 40. You know, but I'm already thinking. I'm thinking, we all, like science is awesome and we, we're going to all have to work until we're 90 because now all this medication just makes us live too long. That means I'm going to have more savings. You know? It's like, how am I going to do this, God? You know, what is your, what is your, when you peek over that wall, and boy, it's real, right? This, mm. this was real for the servant. Yeah. He saw the chariots. They weren't fake. They were there with spears ready to destroy them and kill them. Mm. Our fears and our anxieties are real. They are real. But what's awesome is, is that Elisha prays to God and you just see him put his hand over. It's like, come on, man. Help him see. Help him see. And what did he see? He looked up and he saw that there were more chariots in heaven ready to destroy and protect God's people. Yeah. Do you see the chariots? I can tell you, most times I don't. That's why I have to do this study myself, is to realize if you try and fake the Christianity thing, it... You don't see the chariots. That's what I love about God. It doesn't matter who you know. You can't buy your way into Christianity. You can't pretend it's very real. And either you're in it and you can see the chariots. Or, or, or you, you... I'm not saying if you can't see the chariots all the time. You know, none of us can see them all the time. You know? <laughs> that, that's why there's mercy and, and those things. But my point is, is that... We do have access to this power. Mm. Yeah. Do you surround yourself with people that put your arms around you and say, come on man, see the chariots? Yeah. Who do you surround yourself with? Yeah. Do you surround yourself with people who've got the same neuron deficiencies as you do? Yeah. Let's get, get together and complain. <laughs> Let's get together and complain about this venue, because this venue when they're playing football is not enough parking spaces. <laughs> Let's complain. Let's complain about the venue. Let's complain about the future of our church. Because Tim 
has got, you know, he's got health challenges. So, oh my God, there's not going to be a church in five years' time. What's happening? We need to, and we fill ourselves with fear. There's not enough teens, or there's not enough this, and there's not enough people helping. And we get all fearful. Let's get together and complain about it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned and have the discussions. My point is, let's not limit ourselves with our perspectives. If anything, there's six, we heard in the sermon, whilst I've been here, that there's 6,000 South Africans in Barcha. Wow. We could be getting together in Wedding Stadium. Do you see it? Do you see it? You know, we probably, if there was at least another 100 South Africans, we probably would have delayed the service today. <laughs> no, I'm thinking we would have not. My point is, is, is um, um, you know, make no mistake, grace having a broken perspective is a problem for Christians too. Although becoming a Christian is part, is in part defined by giving you new sight, by being able to see what really is there, we don't immediately receive perfect vision. Our eyes are open, but our perspective is still blurred. We are made to see God, His glory, our sin, the need for a Savior, and the uniqueness of Jesus as Savior, but we have far from 2020 vision. Even as Christians, one of our greatest needs is still greater sight. Mm. You know, we, we need a lot of sight. Another great passage. Just checking the lights. Tell me if you guys are listening. <laughs> Ephesians 1 verse 16 to 21. It says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that you may know him better. I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power for us who believe. Um, I got so excited there, I sort of missed where I was. Uh, that power is the same as the mighty strength that exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Paul prays for the eyes of the Ephesians church to be open. You know, Paul knew that without proper perspective given by God, that they would, would and could not um, achieve anything. And they would be restless as they are spread across all of these regions. And they would be in fear. The reality is, is that Paul prayed deeply 
that people would understand God's power. And um, the question for us is, do we pray for each other, for us as a church, for our eyes to open, for our understanding to deepen in our knowledge of God? Amen. And I think that's, that's really important. Only, only as God grants us greater perspective, then, then that we are able to live in a way that makes sense and honors God. You know, I pray for you guys today that your perspective of God will be greater. That your understanding of His deep, deep love for you will motivate you to look at things differently. To cope with things differently. These are two great scriptures, but I want to focus on the source of proper perspective. How do we get proper perspective? The kind that enables us to live in a manner that is pleasing to God, regardless of our circumstances. Really unpacking this question, you know, for our purpose this morning, and to lead us uh, into this question, I simply say that the proper perspective comes from God's Holy Spirit illuminating God's Holy Word. Mm. That's the only... Apart from both the Spirit and the Word, we cannot see at all. Mm. See, there's a combination. Because if we look who had the Word, the Israelites had the Word, the Pharisees had the Word. The church had the word. The false teachers had the word. But it's the combination of the Holy Spirit that illuminates God's word. Yeah. That gives us sight. Right. Mm. And sometimes I can read the word. Or let me rephrase that. Many times I read my Bible. And I am not even thinking about the Holy Spirit. Mm. Actually, I'm reading the Bible to sort of say that I read the Bible. Mm. <laughs> times. And, 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 and just by default, that means the Spirit's not with me 60% of the time when I read my Bible. Mm. It's, we talked about the concept of spiritual blindness and how Satan is actively working to blind us. Mm. You know, I remember studying the Bible as a young Christian and it was like, the guy who studied the Bible with me said, Hey, would, would you forget to get dressed before you go to work? I was like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that many days, many, too many days, I go into this world without being spiritually clothed. Mm. I don't clothe myself with the Word or the Spirit. And then I wonder when life hits me, why my perspective is just so distorted and why am I feeling so vulnerable? Why am I feeling so insecure? It's that the beauty of Christianity is it's the simple things. Yeah. It really is the simple things. I'm not saying it's, it's, um, it's easy, but I'm saying it's simple. You know, if we could truly see what happens when we pray, 
Mm. The fact that God dispatches angels. Boom. The fact that he shifts kingdom plans. The fact that he makes changes in other parts of the world so that there's some connection to your prayer. If we could truly see what happens, we would never stop praying. Yeah, amen. But many times we are stuck in a room, small room, or for me it's in my car, and I lose perspective about praying. What's really happening? The power of it. God, who we've got access to, is doing amazing things, but I lose perspective, and then that perspective becomes my reality. And then I go into the office and I don't deal with the situation like I should because I'm dealing with all these situations through my perspective. The reality is, here's the conclusion. If your peace in life is based on things you can't control, Things are likely to fluctuate and become restless. Where do you anchor your peace? Do you anchor it in your relationship with your spouse? Do you anchor it in your career? Your LinkedIn profile? Your your social profile? Is that where you anchor your peace? My likes? My bank account, my friendships, it's likely to fluctuate. We're likely to become restless. And that's not God's plan for our lives. You know, He wants our peace to be connected to His nature. He wants our peace to be connected to the first scripture that we looked at in Peter when it said, all is in hand. Bear with me for a moment. If you're watching a scary movie and ultimately you know the outcome of the movie, you know that everyone's okay in the end and you know, it's it's all cool, they actually you know, decide they've had such a stressful time they're going to take a holiday trip to some cool island and they'll all live happily ever after. Like, when you're watching the movie, it's like, okay, 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 but I know what the outcome is. As Christians, we know the outcome. We know the outcome. We are going to be sitting in heaven. No stress, no Brexit, no bank account issues, no social media concerns, no insecurities, no being merciless to ourselves, no worrying about the future of our church and will it still be here when my kids are teen? Will my my kids become Christians? Will they please God? I'm doing everything. Everything wrong. You know, please, <laughs> guys, the story has completed. Yeah, mm. We've got the victory. Amen. Mm. 
My, my ask of you is this week when you, even today, I don't know about you, but you know, I think my Sunday blues developed um, when I was six years old. Because from the age of six, well, I was going to say until now, I'm not in boarding school now. But from the age of six to 18, I was in boarding school, which meant Sundays was time to go back to boarding school. And I would develop this sort of blues. It's like you start, I don't know if you feel it. Mm. And then, I, I don't know, it's, it's from, sort of kept it. And even now, like tomorrow I'm on holiday, right? We're going to Warwickshire Castle, really excited, you know. Mm. But I really start feeling anxious. Well, what about those emails? Mm. What about those emails I need to get to? I don't know what steals your joy on a Sunday. I don't know what's going to steal your joy tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. What I do know is Satan's going to want to steal your joy. He's going to make you blind. He doesn't want you to be connected to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to want you to read. He's not going to want you to do any of that because he wants you to be anxious. But when you're tempted, pause and think about the fact that this victory We've already got the victory. Yeah. And then get deep into your scriptures. When Jesus was tempted, he didn't fight Satan with his emotions. He fought Satan with scripture. Amen. Yeah, amen. How do you think, I ask myself, Marlon, how do you think you can cope? How do you think you can cope without getting into scriptures? Prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit. Pray for each other. Let's get a broad perspective. Our church is healthy. Mm. Our church is in a great place. Don't look at all the things that are wrong. Yep. Mm. We, the, even if there's two or more disciples, the Bible reminds us that Jesus is there. Yeah. Do we yeah. come to church for Jesus or people? Mm. Even if we were two. But God sees bigger things. And I just wanted to encourage us that, um, you know, that whatever your perspectives and tinted glasses are that you're wearing, um, no amount of money, no amount of um, all worldly solutions can change those things. Your glasses will fluctuate and you will be on a roller coaster. Dig deep into scriptures, surround yourself with people like Elijah who can help you see. Pray for each other, and um, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you very much.